Dave, how are you? I'm so thrilled that we have a reigning champion in the uh, homophilia Olympics. I mean, in, in terms of, you know, guests, because this is Joel Kim Boosters. We figure it out during the course of the interview, but like fourth or fifth time, something like that, depending on what metrics you're using. And I know yeah. people are psychotically keeping track of, of how many times people are on the show. But Joel is, is by far the person we have had the most. Basically, it's his show and we've been guest hosting it for the last couple of years. Pretty much. Yeah. And when he's not hosting our show, uh, he is co-hosting his podcast, which is hilarious, which is yeah. called Urgent Care. With Mitra uh, Juhari, who I love and finally got to meet in person. Yes. And uh, we'll talk all about that in their show. And also, the, you can call in and get uh, advice from Joel and Mitra, and we'll put it in our like metadata, the phone number that you call in to mm-hmm. get at them. Yes, yes. And we should also clarify, we were interviewing Joel on a uh, sort of a sad or sad day a bit because yeah, he had just it had just been announced that uh his the show that he is on on NBC Sunnyside was being the order was being shortened or they were pu- being pulled from yep. the air yep. and he is you know understandably it was you know a, a fraught experience for him but since recording this it's been announced that it's uh, moving to Hulu. Yeah, it may become a Hulu original. So stay tuned a, for more info on that. ending after yeah. all. Yeah. The sunniest of sunny sides. Exactly. Joel Kim Booster after the break. Our guest is sending a text. I am pouring a beverage. And we're back with Joel Wait, Kim Booster. I'm fully it's okay to say. Great. What's going on there? Okay. No. Well, let's get it. Let's just dive in. We did. Oh, are we starting? We are yeah. starting. Yeah. Oh, great. Sorry, I was starting. I was what was this text? text? I'm, we were on the edge of our seats. Oh, sorry. So um, we started I, with just I some literally ASMR. And <laughs> ASMR, and now here we are. Sorry, I literally just um, they just announced that they're canceling my show so i was sort of like dealing with that on the internet now it's a now i should say it's a soft cancel they are pulling us from the air after our episode airs this week this is my show Sunnyside for all of the uninitiated listening uh and they're moving us to streaming only because that's where the audience is um and they they told us yesterday which was columbus day for those i don't know when this airs and we are being replaced. They told us we're being replaced with Will and Grace, which is to tell an all person of color cast that we are being replaced with an all white cast on Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. Come on, I wow. mean, amazing. The tone is not good. <laughs> it's like I, 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 won- I wonder if a single person thought about the optics of that. Our time slot is being colonized on <laughs> Columbus Day um, by the white gaze. By the white gaze, That's and this, and, and then by the way, I love Will and Grace. I have a million and one friends who work on that show and I and love to them all yeah. um, obviously they had nothing to do with it I yeah. guess if it is going to be an all white show maybe that's yeah, the one I don't know one. it sucks though I, but, yeah but, it does but it's you know it is people it can is. still see it on streaming yes and that's the thing I'm still we're still shooting which has been a real great um, vibe on set. Oh, uh, it yeah, it was amazing to get pulled away as an entire cast to be told that, and then be sent back to continue shooting. Yesterday, I have to say, what episode? What episode will be the last one that airs? So this is the fourth episode that's airing, mm-hmm. and it'll be this Thursday. What is this Thursday? The eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the eighteenth, nine thirty. Um, yeah, and which, that's. I'm sorry to interrupt. Which. Which episode were you told in? Oh, uh, this is, they were shooting the ninth episode and there's 10. Although I, and we all just discovered this in the USA Today article that they decided to release about this because um, they did not give us much information beyond that we're being replaced by Will and Grace. But they also mentioned in this article, and truly none of us had any idea about this, they also added an episode to our order. So now we're shooting an additional episode, which I think is NBC's shitty way of being like, listen, we love this diverse show and we are supporting it. And to show how much we're supporting it, we're adding another episode so that you can go to NBC.com and watch it. I don't know. It's a very strange situation and none of us have very much information. So I was just literally on the group chat being like, What's going on? So um, you got a couple more weeks at least. Of I have, shooting. Yeah, this week of shooting and next week of shooting, and then I guess another week bonus. of shooting. I don't know um, when that 
another because the, the writers have to write it so right they haven't written it the writer's room is wrapped so the writer's room is wrapped and oh gosh yeah and i don't know where this improvised. maybe it's a I, yes a fully improvised episode of Sunnyside. oh that'd NBC. be a live com. improvised episode yeah but if you're listening to this and you like the show then watch it online because i you know there's a million other things that could happen with it in streaming i guess and i guess i don't really know can it, be, it can go to the peacock right yeah it could is be it, peacock i mean presumably success presumably it will live in its entirety on Peacock eventually when Peacock premieres in the spring. But mm-hmm. I think for now, it'll you'll be able to see it on well, the NBC app. I'm curious to see episode nine and see which ones you have it heard is, the news and which ones you have It is a wild scene that we were also shooting too because it's it, it was a it's a kind of sad scene. And so we were all like coming back in and the energy was insane. And they also pulled us out of the bar set to tell us this as though it would give us some semblance of privacy, but we're on a soundstage. There's no ceiling to the bar, to the building that they pulled us out of. Yeah. So they literally just brought us to the other side of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a real other room. And so like we walk, we all walked back in sort of with this like fantasy that no one had heard just what transpired, but it was very clear that everyone could hear. Yeah. Um, they just didn't get to see your faces. Yeah. React but everyone's, I mean, we're all, it's, it's, it is what this business, it's yeah. what this job is. Yeah. So we all were sort of like, that sucks. I mean, very thankful that we, they didn't shut down production Right. You know, right? Because thankful that, that it will continue to live on. Because a lot of shows, I mean, in a, in a different scenario, um, you know, five years ago, who knows, ten years ago, definitely probably would have been pulled, you know, and just lived and been one of those shows that you never know, yep. you know. Yeah. So we are we're all like grateful for that, and you know, our paychecks don't change. So <laughs> whether or not it's living on streaming, and it is true that more people watch it there, but. It's a bummer. For Can sure. you take us back to before it was a bummer when it it's it's pilot season, you're auditioning, you're like getting a call back that. Yeah. I mean, well, this is the a weird thing part. is and I think that this is my advice to literally everyone who's thinking about who's in this industry about any sort of success or failure is that it always the stuff that you think the stuff that I wanted and thought would change my life five years ago by by the time I got it, that stuff, the stuff that I thought would be life changing, I arrived at it in a moment when I was like, whatever, right. you know, like it's sort of you. I've been doing this for so long, and it just sort of felt like when I got this, when I booked this pilot. I mean, obviously it was a big deal, and I was very excited, and I was like, this, you know, but it was also like, okay, th- let's this is work, you know. It didn't feel like it was gonna change my the like the sort of the interior of my life right. in a huge way. It was just sort of like, okay, I did it. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I went and I auditioned, I got a job and now I'm going to do this job. And it just sort of felt, I don't know. I feel like we're, I, as a millennial, I'm conditioned. I've been conditioned to sort of just be like hustling all the time right. always. And it just felt like another hustle. But does that mean that you And I love, but I loved everybody. Of <laughs> like, course. But uh, but are you saying that when you were younger, you, th- this well, and th- th- this have... is not my first pilot season by any means, right. and uh, and I've gotten really close, and I've done shows that haven't gotten picked up. I've uh, I've tested for, sh- I've gotten really far in the process of getting cast in shows that I didn't end up getting, and each time that happened, I was like, well, this is it. I sort of went apocalyptic, and it was just like, well, I'm done, I'm yeah. finished, and and going into the audition process for this, it finally was a moment where I was like here we go again. And this is exactly, you know, what it didn't feel make or break. And I feel Mm -hmm. like whenever I talk to younger people who are starting out in this business, whatever that thing is for you, like when I was early in standup, it was like getting a special, you know, and every year I would submit a tape to get a special and I didn't get it. I was like, fuck it. You know, like I am not a real standup until I have this. And then the year that it finally happened, I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was just sort of like I submitted the tape and I was like, if this doesn't happen, then it's fine, but I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's always, it feels like every success I've ever had has come at a moment when it's like, if this doesn't happen, it's okay. And that's, it's weird. I feel like I, when I talk to my, um, like I, I called my best friend last night when I got home and after we'd found out about this and I had texted her, I'd sort of primed her for it. I was like, this is what's going on. I'll call you when I get home. And I could tell she was like on edge talking to me because she was afraid 
I don't handle professional disappointment very well normally. And by God, there's been plenty of it. And I was, and I think she was a little even like doubly afraid because I was like, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Um, but we're all going to be fine. And she's like, I'm glad. And she, yeah. And me. she was like, you could, I could hear it in her voice. Like, just like, yeah, but if you need me to fly down, I will. And I was like, no, you know, I got work. We're still shooting. And, and it's, it does feel weird to be at a place where it's like, oh, wow, I've been soft canceled. And yet it doesn't feel like the end of the world for me. And do you think that all, a lot of this stuff is happening now because you don't, not that you don't care as much, but you don't, you're not putting the same, like I'm not, the, the, same the stakes it. don't feel like high. Cause I just feel like, I feel like if this had happened last year, I'd be like, well, that's it. And now I'll go crawl back into a hole and I'll, you know, and I feel like for all of us in the cast, like, we're all going to be fine. And, and I, it's also, I think I have some separation. Like I've had shows that I've pitched that I've written and that I'm supposed to be starring in and that the pilot I produced, you know, and like when that stuff doesn't get picked up, it does feel like much more. And I think part of this is that it's like, this is Cal's baby. And I, and I know that he's probably like from his POV is probably different from anybody else's in the cast. Cause this is like really, you know, like his thing. And I think I'm able to, have the separation. I mean, those people are my family in a big mm -hmm. way. Like we love each other and like, it's devastating, but it, at the same time, I think professionally it's like, okay, but we're all going to have other jobs, you know? And it doesn't feel like it's gonna, it doesn't feel like a blight on any of us. It just feels like sort of wrong time slot up against football, weird time to be on network TV, lots of other things, you know? Well, that's the other thing is it, it still is such a, it's still a cool rite of passage. Cause like, I don't know how many more opportunities the people who are coming up after you are going to have to be on a network sitcom. Yeah. Like, will they exist? What will they be? I know it. That's the weird thing about it. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I honestly, I feel like I should probably ask you to cut some of this out, but I, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk off mic about some of other things, but it yeah. is, um, yeah, it's wild. The, the, cause I, as a consumer don't really watch a lot of network TV. Mm. And so it was weird to go, be cast on a network TV show and then to like suddenly have to like learn how to care about it again in a way of being mm. like, Oh my God, like actually no, everyone, we have to watch this live. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and like, it, it's just like no one in LA or New York or any, you know, or any yeah. of my friends that no one I know watches TV that way. And so then to, to suddenly be very much like, aware of oh my god no one's watching this show live and and for that to like mean something was very strange um but meanwhile you're podcasting your ass off i'm yeah. you know and that's the thing is i have a podcast here on the podcast. earwolf not where to fall <laughs> i yeah it's fine yeah um you're our we, I wonder how many times you've actually been on this show because okay this is my third official time but this is the fourth episode that I've recorded with you guys because, because we recorded a, a we live recorded show. really we recorded the live show in Montreal right right and then my official first episode that I was on but yeah. then do you remember we uh, we also recorded an episode like six months before you guys actually yeah, premiered. Yeah, like a little tester. And, right. and I was like, and by the time you guys premiered, I'd, I'd moved to LA right. at this point. And I was sort of like, I feel like we should have another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> like so much has changed in that yeah. six months. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lost episode out there somewhere. There are a couple. Um, and we did a sp the, the spinoff. Uh, yeah, about adoption. About adoption. Yeah. So, I'm you used to, and really, we've done bitch sesh a couple times yes. together. We've Your family. a lot of yeah. content. Yeah. I've worked on a show that you've written. Yeah. You created. Wow. Dave, I know you less well. I feel like more of a stranger to you. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I mean, Matt's th family. there's a growth day. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's a, a window into my soul and, and a reason why I asked you which episode uh, you were filming when you heard the news, because of course I do want to watch and just see from shot to shot, everyone's faces and to see if it <laughs> registers and whatever. Uh, what this reminds me of is something that I want to tell you and I want to tell you, Matt, and I want to tell the listener. Um, it has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about right now, but um, Bananarama, the video for Cruel Summer. Mm -hmm. oh. Here's a fun fact Not that I Not the Taylor learned. Swift. Not sure. the Taylor Swift. No, the original Bananarama Cruel Summer. Um, they came to New York to film that video. They were on the docks 
right? They were sort of on the on the far west side. They had lunch at the Ear Inn, right? You know, the Ear, like way, like off of Hudson. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and there were all these dock workers there when they went to have lunch. They, so they were filming. They were a little hungover in the morning. They were kind of low energy, whatever. They met some dock workers at the place where they had lunch. One of the dock workers, this being the 80s, was like, have you guys ever done cocaine? Would you like some cocaine? And they're like, we haven't. And so from these dock workers, they got cocaine. And then fucking filmed the rest of the video. And it's really fun to watch the Cruel Summer video and just see which shots are before lunch and which shots are after lunch. So I want to share that with you. I want to share that with you. I want to share that with the listener. It's on this YouTube. Was like a like a fable about no. like disappointment. Like, yeah, I was waiting was a, for the message no, at the end of the story. Yeah. There's not a message. Um, but I mean, there is a message, which yes. is... Um, that, you know, there's cocaine in that video. There's a lot of cocaine in that video in about half of that video. So watch it yourself and see. That's so funny. Anyway, if you want to get to know me, Joel, that is me. I that is that. That that. the window. Well, and that actually, my that story is so on brand for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bananarama, Coke, Dock yep. Workers. Yes. All, all the things all that the I sort of associate with. All of the things that are uniquely me. Uh, what are you listening to now? Let's what, get what am away I from network to? television. Yeah. Um, I actually am listening to this man. Um, oh. and it's and I was actually sort of shocked to find out he's a straight man. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce the name, but it's L A U V Love. Uh-huh. Love. Mm-hmm. And he has an EP out right now that's really great. And with songs like Fuck I'm Lonely, Sad Forever, Drugs and the Internet, oh, I'm So on. Tired. I mean, is mm-hmm. any of this that's sort of hitting with you? It right? resonates. Um yeah, I'm really into that. Into it for some reason right now. I don't know why. And Muna, Muna's new oh, album, sure, 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 sure. which you know, Love or Love or L A U V, Loves, yeah. whatever his name is, had a song that I liked, but I don't remember what it's oh, called. Really? Yeah, he had like a hit song. Yeah, a year I do, or so ago. I I think I yeah, that's probably true. But if he were in this room right now, I wouldn't be able to pick him out. I don't know. Are there, uh, remind me which like pop stars you sort of ride for or so I'm hate? A, you know, there's a lot that sort of culturally I, I won't say performatively like, but like I like more as sort of cultural touchstones than I do their music, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, so like all of, you know, the big ones, the Britneys and, and um, things like that. Um, I like Ariana Grande a lot. I sort of appreciate her project. Um, I <laughs> I do sort of worry that she is creating music at a manic pace. Like I feel like it it, it reads. I'm like, take. I need you to calm down because I'm actually yeah. concerned that you've created two amazing albums in the span of like a year, which doesn't seem normal to me right, as a right. create as a fellow creative. Um, but love um, her, and I, I've always loved her vibe ever since she licked that donut. Yeah, and oh, sort sure. of said, I hate America. Yeah. I've always been like, that is me to a T. Um, <laughs> and then Carly Rae Jepsen um, mm-hmm. strikes a chord with me, I think. And then um, Lord. Yes. Lord. I don't know if she counts. Oh, she counts. She counts. Okay. Yeah. In definitely terms of the gay Lord. Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan culture. It's sure. definitely, those. that's my coven, if you will. Right. Ariana, Carly, and and Lord. It's a great bunch. Yeah. Thank you. Where does, where does an Ariana Grande go next? I'm thinking more aesthetically than musically. That's oh. tough. That's tough because I mean she's she's Sam, she's really pulling from a lot of different cultures. Yeah, in every yeah. Iteration see from her, I think Asian. I think she's she's sort of done urban, and I think she's heading in an Asian direction. Interesting. Mm. And you know, I don't find that um, to be a good thing, mm-hmm. but I don't find it to be a full cancelable offense. And okay. so, in many ways, I think we should move her. NBC.com, um, <laughs> sort of the happy medium sure. between full cancellation. Yes. Our first peak on pop star after Sunnyside. Yes. Can we come to a con- uh, to a consensus here and now about Camila Cabello? Head too small. Really? I'll say that. Head, Head too, small. too small. Head too small. Wow, you had that fact at the ready. Every time That's... I see her with that big mop of hair on her head, I feel Just like she looks like a, a lollipop. Mm-hmm. Like... It just looks like I don't know. There's something about it that just reads as too small. Yeah. I don't quite get her. I'm um, if I'm gonna go with an ex Fifth Harmony, I'm gonna go with a Normani. Sure, oh, sure. and not because and you know motivation. Ariana Grande wrote that song on tour while she was touring. Normani was opening for her, and she just said, "Eh, you can have this one." Wow, is that true? Gave it to Normani. Yes, that's absolutely 100 percent true. And if you listen to the song now. 
you will absolutely be able to hear I can already, Ariana Grande sure, yeah. in that song. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. I think it we would like it better as a song hearing it if Ariana had sung it. Mm-hmm. But we were given a gift yeah, with sure. that music video. Yes, we, we were given were. a true gift. And here's my beef with that song, No Bridge. And I think Ariana, too busy writing all these songs, she forgot to write a bridge. And you notice it when you hear the song, but you do not he- notice it when you watch the video because where the bridge should be, we get Normani in sort of a, a jeweled singlet dancing in the rain, sort of just yeah. slamming her vagina onto the pavement in the rain. <laughs> yeah. it's a and who could, who could care about a bridge in that moment? Exactly. Right. God, you're so you're too right. dazzled. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely those are right. some profound insights actually about that song. Um, should we take a break? Yeah, we should take a break. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And Matt's got a light bulb over his head. Um, can we? I'm sorry to objectify you, but just talk about your body. It, I mean, sure. <laughs> What do you want to know? Well, when we were doing Unsend, uh-huh. yeah, I feel like it was at the peak of you were, I had a lot of questions because we were like dealing with wardrobe and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm, and it was mm-hmm. like, there was actually discussion of like, do we do, if we put Joel in short sleeves, it's about it. We're like putting his body on display. Wow. Is that a good thing? Is that, is that the goal? Is it not? And so I just had a lot of questions about and learned a lot about, intermittent fasting, what you were doing, <laughs> what role alcohol and drugs could play in your yeah, workout program, yeah, yeah, what yeah. your caffeine intake was like. Mm-hmm. Where are you now in terms of? Um, it's a bit, it's been a bit uh, loosey goosey for a couple of reasons over the last four, uh, like since August or so, because a, my trainer, Brendan famously mm-hmm. moved left and moved across the country to be with his girlfriend in Virginia. Um, and I s- swapped him out with now trainer Zach, who is sort of the mirror image of Brendan, but in a bizarro sort of way, because Brendan was very scowly and had a sort of dark energy. That's what you want. We could, we could, we really commiserated and we would say things like fuck the police together, mm-hmm. you know, sort of that energy. And Zach is very bright eyed. And I was a little nervous because he's got more of a boy scout energy, sort of got a more sort of, we're going on a company outing to bowling. And I'm very excited about it where Brendan would say, I'm not excited to go on this company outing. Um, but now since we've been working together, I've slowly, slowly gotten him there. It's the same sort of energy underneath, but he just says it with a twinkle in his eye. Mm. You know, he'll say, mm. I don't want to go bowling, but he'll say it with a smile and a laugh. And, and he'll say, fuck his... the police with a twinkle, you know? So he's coming around. Yeah. And, and I like him a lot. It's just, it, I don't like change. And Brendan was like maybe the longest relationship I'd had with a man um, ever. So it was sad to see him go. And, um, yeah, and then that, and then filming. Filming has been tough. Oh, right. Because the hours are crazy. I'll have like a 14-hour day or longer or shorter, or it's just like I can't schedule when I'm going to the gym. My, my, I'm grazing a lot. The craft service. Craft oh. services. The food is not ideal. I'm not, I'm less able to track accurately what I'm eating. And, you know, weigh, I, I weigh my food sometimes. And I'm not able to do that at work. And um, I've been sick for pretty much the last, uh, since I moved to LA, I would say. Um, for <laughs> So almost two years I've been sick. The air quality today was worse than the air quality in Hong Kong. Mm. My most dad quality is every morning I check an app and I check the air qu- and I have the home screen set. Air quality in New York, air quality in San Francisco, air quality in LA, air quality in Hong Kong, Beijing, and Denver. And I check and I walk and anytime someone brings up anything, if you sneeze around me, I'll go, it's the air quality. Get inside. So a friend told me in San Francisco, I'm going, I'm playing tennis today. And I said, indoor court, babe. Yeah. Air quality is worse in San Francisco today than it is in Hong Kong. You got to so get indoors. No hikes. No hikes. No swims. No um, I sort of recently decided that there was mold in my apartment. No confirmation. So scientific confirmation. We did not have it tested mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but I just decided it. And uh, two weeks later, I moved. <laughs> so, um, because just got because you... Because I'm convinced that there was mold in my apartment. And that was um, sort of making me sick. Um, but it hasn't really... I, I, I do feel a little bit better now. But 
you seem hasn't quite vibrant. Okay. What are your symptoms? I just, I've had like a low grade cold, like sinus infection cold that, that won't go away since I moved from New York to Mm -hmm. LA. And you wouldn't think that the air quality is exponentially worse in LA than it is in New York, but it absolutely is. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, the, the air was soupy. Yeah. Like a few days ago because the, uh, the, the, Saddle, saddlewood fire, whatever. It was. Well, it yeah. still is. I mean, yeah. it's, but I mean, it straight up smelled like a campfire yeah. in my neighborhood for a couple of days. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for people like me with weak lungs. So that mm-hmm. all that's being said, um, it, I've I've struggled with the way I look a little bit in certain photos, and then to see myself on television now, mm-hmm. computer sure. screen, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. um, it's been a it's been a str- it's been hard, but um. I don't know. I feel I I feel like I've calmed down quite a bit too with it. I've also kind of just sort of uh, leaned into accepting that I don't think I'll ever see myself the way other people see me. So I just like sometimes I'll look at myself in the mirror before I go on set and something. And I'll be like, I look like fucking trash, and then like I'll get there and people are like, you look great. This makes you look really fit or something like that. And I'll be like, okay, I guess I'm living in a reality where everything in my head is a lie. Um, and that's comforting to right. sort of accept that. Right. But sometimes that voice is probably the thing that drives you to mm-hmm. the, the more manic side of, you know, diet and exercise. And- yeah. I, I mean, honestly, a big part of it, and I think I've probably said this and whether or not people believe me, who knows, but I mean, a huge part of it is, is like, yes, I like to feel good about myself, but also this feels like the only part of my life I can control right now, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, case in point, all this shit that's happening today, like my diet and like how much I go to the gym and like the little things that I can control there is very comforting for me because everything else in my professional life is sort of in someone else's hands. Right. In Tracy's hands, you know? Yeah. Um, so as you've been shooting, podcasting, super busy, what's been happening in your dating life? Oh, I'm trying to think like last time, um, I was here, I actually got in trouble with the guy that I was dating oh, no. I, oh, right. because I talked about it on this podcast. That's, and yeah. so it sort of gotten back to him that I was on the podcast and I had mentioned that we were seeing each other and it was communicated to him. Um, I think miscommunicated to him the intent of what I was saying. And I had found out that he had blocked me on Instagram and, like didn't it's it sort of like trailed off returning my text messages and um it, it and finally I like he came and was like he listened to the episode this is what happened he listened he finally listened to the episode uh-huh. himself and he was embarrassed and and sort of apologetic that he had like just blocked me without he was all to me reacting to what he'd heard he was reacting to what he heard and he was like it was it was presented to me that you went on and you were sort of like I'm dating this guy and he's pathetic and I think he likes me more than I like him. And that was not what, and then I listened to it and that's not what you'd said, but it did sort of create a, a watershed conversation when we were, where we both sort of mutually decided that I, it didn't seem like it was something that would work out. So it was helpful ultimately, but that's not where I was when I recorded the podcast. It's hard to bounce back from being blocked on Instagram. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Um, and we, we had bounced back from a couple other things that I think were even weirder and scarier than that but all that to say since then um i have not really been with anybody and i've been pretty happy about that i've been like fairly um i don't know this last year has felt like pretty much the first year in my life where i haven't really been concerned at all times with whether or not i have a boyfriend i will say i guess since january i have been in a very casual thruple situation what um and it sort of started as a joke and then has sort of now turned into us like planning vacations together please Uh, was it the beginning did you were you an uh an add-on to yes uh, i am okay i am the third and it, it it was really sort of illuminating to me in a big way because i always sort of imagined that i would be too crazy and jealous to be in any sort of non-monogamous situation. And then suddenly being with couples and this is uh, with, with them specifically and sort of being like the focus of both of their attentions in the early stages. I was like, Oh, this is 
great. Like this is amazing to sort of be the focus of two different people's attentions. And then it's sort of, and that was sort of like the end for me. And I, they don't live in, we don't live in the same city. I just happen to see them now roughly like every three or four weeks. Um, and I don't know. I, you know, I've had a lot of group sex and like I've had, I, I usually famously have been like no to threesomes because three always wants to be two, you know? And normally it does sort of feel sometimes, especially with couples in threesome situations that like one person is more into it than the other person. And that never feels great. And I feel like sometimes threesomes are like the gay equivalent of like having a baby. It's like that last ditch effort Mm -hmm. to like save a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't need to, you you can feel when you're saving, someone's trying to save their marriage by adding a third person in on a Friday night. Um, And the thing I really love about having sex with these guys is that I, they're just so into each other and you can tell that. And it's Mm -hmm. so clear and obvious and nice to see, to be having sex with two people. And then just to sort of observe two people who really love each other having sex too. It's like, so, so always together, always together. Yeah. I've had, I guess I've had sex with them like once or twice on one on one in, in ways that sort of has happened that way. But mostly it's all three of us. And when you say it started as a joke, were you, you were friends and they were, well, they were friends of friends. I have, I have a lot of really good friends who are in non-monogamous relationships and have, and they're in, in a wide sort of degree of like what that means. Like I have friends who have boyfriends in like, I have a, a really close um, couple friend that are married and they've been together for a long time and they had for a while a boyfriend and it was really interesting to sort of observe that. And then, you know, I know a lot of couples who are at varying degrees of non-monogamous, like they only play together or like only when the other person's traveling or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so like, but these guys I knew through the couple that had the boyfriend and so, and were very like, you know, well-versed in the world of, you know, that. And it just so happened that the racial makeup of all of us was mirrored their situation at the time and so it sort of became a joke while we were out that like we're actually the better thruple of the the sort of diverse thruple in in the scene Uh, right now and it sort of became that joke and it was always very non-serious because i didn't live in the same city as them and then it's slowly sort of become a more emotional attachment i think and it's still we haven't really quite talked about it enough Mm. I mean, they did invite me to Thanksgiving with one of their moms. And I was like, how exactly would you explain my presence there? And they were like, you're just a friend. It's not like we'd be fucking right in front of the mom. And it's like, that's fair. Um, Are you going to go? I haven't decided yet. Um, I haven't decided yet. But um, yeah. And so that's been sort of interesting to sort of like navigate and figure out. And are you... uh equally emotionally invested in both. Yeah, and I didn't think I would be. But it's interesting they are two they sort of represent like two very they're very different people. Physically like different races and like different way different temperaments. And like I always thought that if I were in this situation I would really be gravitating towards one over the other or it would be like I could tell that one wanted out or something like that. But it does seem very like sort of copacetic and equal and everybody is like having a good time and getting different things out of it. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, last night when all of this was going on, I, I texted my best friend and I texted them about it and it felt sort of like the correct thing to do, you know? And um, I don't know... I, I, it, it, I don't know. And the, the problem with this is it's a less obvious sort of like, what's the mission here? What's the end game? And I think we're all sort of like, we don't want to talk about it because it, it would sort of like, well, there's no need to at this point. Like, I'm not looking for anything super serious. And they are in a, you know, they're practically married and it's like, fine. Um, so why bother when we're all having like really nice time and being fulfilled in a very certain way? And until I think probably I'm not, I feel like we'll probably go on as things are mm-hmm. or unless they meet somebody that they actually want to add in. And that's the other thing. It's like very fuzzy if it's just like a fun, like openness or if it's like, we want to have a third tro- person yeah, in we this. We want you to be our boyfriend. Like an equal share in the relationship. Like we want to create a new relationship that is three people. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. So for now, I think it's just sort of living in this like 
mm, liminal space where we're just having fun and going on vacations and um, just having a good time. God, I cannot wait to hear yeah, how this my, goes. My fifth appearance. Yeah, on the I definitely so, need to come back. Just, I also, you have referenced like in a joking way so many times orgies and group sex, mm-hmm. but I have never just drilled down on where where is it happening how is it happening um it's happening well it depends on the sort of the context like the couple friend that i mentioned earlier like the last time they visited la not the ones that i'm in like this uh, this triad with but um they're like very good about being like okay let's have an after party at our airbnb and just sort of casting an orgy out of grinder and just Uh like inviting guys over and being very sort of like utilitarian about it like there will be somehow magically i'll blink and there's like four guys there all down and like they're on grind like one of them will be out of the room and come in and be like babe we got three bottoms in here right now and uh this many tops and these people are verse and this guy says he's only verse but this guy says he's only bottom and they'll be like no we, uh, just go with the verse one and it'll be like okay tyler it is and like tyler will get the call and then it is so <laughs> crazy um but it's like nice to sort of surrender i i never have the wherewithal i don't have um like a stage managerial energy sexually. And so it's hard for me to pull that all together. Yeah, I mean, you're a performer. a true Right. Performer. Exactly. I just sort of show up, hit my marks and then yeah. leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, a trooper. Exactly. Uh, and so it is nice to like be like when that happens. And then, you know, a lot of it is just after party business in LA and New York and elsewhere where it happens. Right. But are there ever are 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 people ever rejected? I mean, um, there must be incredibly awkward moments. That yes and no. I mean, I've never. I've definitely. It's, it, that's why I like big big group things. So the the one couple, another couple friend of mine got married, and instead of having a big wedding, they did a courthouse thing for family, and then they invited all of their gay male friends to. Mexico and we all just like stayed with them for like a honeymoon thing and that was sort of like a non-stop um, group moment too and there's just so many people that it's like you know you sort of are close enough with everybody to read the signs of like you know you know when someone is into it and when someone's not and sort of you move to the other you know side of the room mm-hmm. and find you know there's just always enough going on that I don't think you notice when I, you don't notice the people that are, aren't into you you're sort of laser focused in on the people that are into you. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's getting harder and harder to do that now as a, a gay person with some amount of platform, but it's fun. Yeah. How do know. you manage? How do you manage that? I don't know. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Yeah. I haven't, because it, my big neuroses now, I think that's also sort of make and my therapist sort of like clocked this about me too because i was like i'm not lonely i'm not lonely right now i'm really not lonely i'm just you know i'm happy i like being home alone and like having my own time and he was like that's not loneliness and what he described to me and read back he sort of read the transcript back and he's like your loneliness is the fact that you have so much baggage about being sort of rejected romantically and sexually by men in your early 20s and now sort of being in a place where you don't trust that like I, I, I do sort of question the intent of a lot of guys that are into me sometimes. Um, and I, so I, I sort of keep everyone at arm's length and he's like, that's loneliness. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm. Um, because my big struggle is like, sometimes there are people in my sphere here in LA or elsewhere who I've been introduced to dozens of times and never, ever, ever, ever remember me. And suddenly, you know, I was on a billboard or, you know, yeah, I mean, it does. It's like, it's different. It's harder. I think being gay because like straight people, like there is not that many, there's like not a sub level of fame. Cause the thing is, I don't consider myself like a famous person, but I think like a lot of gay people in a gay bar, I'm more likely to be recognized than in a normal, like, you know, at a basketball stadium. Um, and so it does get me a little like, ugh, I don't like it when I don't know like why someone's flirting with me. Mm. Um, and so that makes me feel a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. But it's weird because it all happened sort of at the same time that I got hot too. So like, <laughs> some of it just might be that I suddenly am hot, like got hot. Yeah. And, and can you distrust people for being attracted to you for being hot? Yeah. I mean, that seems unfair. Yeah. I know that I guess I've can only compare that to feeling like 
gay guys who want to know me because they think I can introduce them to Casey Wilson or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> just like, no, I mean, that's, that's my... a, that's like a real like thing though. Like yeah. I, it's, it does feel like, I don't know, strange to be in that position. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that's been going on for you for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with it? Well, uh, in my twenties, like after MTV, I never like, if somebody, if somebody spoke to me in a bar when I was 27, I just assumed that they thought that I could introduce them to Justin Timberlake. You know what I mean? <laughs> because there was just no, I, there, you know, this was the nineties, early two thousands. There wasn't, there was a specific look and I didn't have it. And so like, if, if somebody like made their way to me, I immediately didn't trust it. So that was just how, that was how I handled it. I just was like, I never trusted it Yeah, ever. I mean, honestly though, that's how I still, that's how I feel though. Because yeah. like, I am like, you know, I, I have a certain, like my body has certainly like been forced into a shape that is in many ways, like <laughs> in the zeitgeist of gay male desire, but you know, I'm not a masculine man. I'm Asian. I, you know, like, I, I think like there's still a lot of barriers to entry for me that make me distrustful of like when some like blazingly white hot guy with 3% body fat is like suddenly after like, you know, wanting to get on my Instagram story, it's like so transparent what's happening. They just want me to tag them in an Instagram post so that they can siphon off some of the, you know, so they can get 15 followers in South Korea (laughs) um, from my Instagram. And that's like, I just don't know what to do about it sometimes because it does feel good. You know, it's like weird. And my therapist also said was basically not to use these words, but was like, if someone's sucking your dick in the back room, who cares why? Like you're like, <laughs> right. do, do you need to be concerned with that? Like, you know, like there are right. certain transactions able to like distill someone's motivations down to the purest. form. Yeah. And so I'm sort of trying to let go of that and see what happens. And just let them suck your D. Yeah. Right. But ultimately, I mean, how can I put this in a way it doesn't sound terrible, but like when, when you're meeting people, when you're like in a bar and trying to meet someone, we're always um, like you talk to somebody who you're attracted to because that makes you feel away, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that initial thing will go away. If somebody talks to you because they've seen you on TV or on a billboard, that makes that might make them feel a certain way, but that's also not sustainable. Right. You know, yeah. that, that no, for sure. will dissipate over time. So in the moment, it doesn't matter why. And then over time, what is what is true and real will stay. Yeah. Right? No, I think so. Yeah. I do think it is like it sucks no matter what though, when you know that someone and I think it's just like it is a certain people in the community sort of thing where we're nicer to people that we're attracted to or barring that we're nicer to people who we think can help us in some way. And I think in LA it's just sort of broken my brain in a very specific way because there are a lot of people sort of floating around who um, weren't nice to me because they weren't attracted to me before and now suddenly are very nice to me. And it's like, well, it clearly must be this other thing. Like, and it yeah. just, and I don't want to, it sounds like I, I get really anxious talking about it this way because like, I know, please know listener that I am not, I don't think I'm famous by any means. Like, I don't think I'm a per, I'm not like Billy Eichner levels. Like I feel bad for him. Billy, like when I see Billy mobbed at like a gay bar, yeah. it's like truly what, you know, who can you trust or believe at this point? But like, but your life is different now. My life is different. It was the yeah. first time you were on for this sure. Show. For sure. And that's all it is, is like, I think people, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just like questioning the motives. And, and I think my therapist was like, your constant questioning of those of people's motives and sort of make protecting yourself from what you believe about those motives is a manifestation of loneliness, not, not wanting to, you know, be with someone all the time, always, mm. which was an interesting drag. I found. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. interesting. This therapist is good. Yeah, you know what? Betterhelp.com, babe. Okay, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you advertise uh, for them on this podcast, we but do. Man, we we many do. podcasts do. And I was dubious, but I travel so much for work that I was like. I can't, it's hard for me to have like a relationship with a therapist in one city. Oh, this yeah. is Skype therapy? Yeah, it's Skype. And um, yeah, he's great. Did you audition a couple before you? Yeah, a lot. 
And what uh, it's very what did this person bring to the table? Um, I don't know. He just felt um, I had he a, was like, hot. No, actually, <laughs> um, he um, you can text them too. They don't you, they don't you don't have their number their personal numbers, but you can text with them. And I was having like a full mental breakdown about something, and I was being very abusive. And he handled it very well. <laughs> and I sort of was like, and then we'd only had like two sessions at that point. Yeah, and I felt. Like I woke up the next morning and I was looking at my text messages and I was like, I'm crazy. Um, and he was like, no, you're not. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> and, um, but he was just like, I was, I was like saying really wild things. I was just being like, you know, and if this is too much for you to deal with, then maybe you should fire me. And he's like, that, that's not how this relationship works. <laughs> like, But I was like, I know you want to. I know you don't want to be talking to this every week. And he was like, I'm not going to take this bait. And I was like, okay. And so the next morning I sort of reviewed that transcript and was like, you can hang. He's good. Yeah. He's good. Well, free ad for what is it? BetterHelp.com. Better yeah. Sorry if you advertise for like Talkspace or one of their competitors, but I don't know if we. Have, I don't think we have. Have you ever had a therapist you were attracted to? Mm-mm. No. I usually try to go for ladies. Actually, this yeah. was like uh, I requested on the app a gay man, and I got one. Yeah. And I'm not attracted to him, but um, normally I, I I felt like it was time to like talk because I feel like most of my issues are sort of center around like, I don't know, relationship issues. And so it felt like I should probably get somebody who understands the ins and outs of that. Yeah. Um, a little bit better. He, I like to hear my therapist utter the, like the word like twinks, uh, it was like chilling. Um, <laughs> so I was like, do I, did I want this at all? But, uh, yeah, he, I don't think I've ever been attracted to one. I think it would be a real problem. I think I'd have to stop it immediately. Yeah. You had one that you... I did, yeah. How, How long, long did you see him? A couple, yeah, like maybe three, four years. Whoa. Yeah. And you had the hots for him long? the whole time? I didn't have the hots for him, but he was hot. Oh. We did actually have a whole session about it. Because I, I was like, I, you know, I am attracted to you. And so we should, we should talk about that because that is, I mean, that's... How did he receive that? I mean, he knows. He knows. Oh, Dude, he's one was, of those... I mean, you couldn't, you'd have to be stupid to look like this guy and not know mm-hmm. that you're Yeah, you, you've shown me a picture I don't remember what he looks like, but yeah. I remember my reaction being like, oh, well, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and it was, it was good. It was nice, you know? It, it was just, it was good to get it out. It was good to talk about it and process it, you know? It was, I think it was healthy yeah. in a way. It was good. He was out mm-hmm. in Malibu, though. The drive was too long. Oh, yeah. But now I, he was straight. Now I have a, a gay therapist, and he's great. And he's handsome. Um, and it's, it's nice to and you're hooking up every week <laughs> left and right. Um, it is really nice to have a gay male therapist because mm-hmm. there is a certain, like, it's nice to talk to somebody who has a firsthand knowledge of the ways in which our culture can make yeah. you feel like garbage about yourself. You know what I mean? You can read about it and all that stuff, but it's really nice to be with somebody who has lived it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to, I feel like a lot of gay guys are really resistant. I and, I, so and I was, yeah, for sure. And I understand why, but I do think a lot of gay men would benefit from having a, a gay male therapist. Yeah. Oh, big time. I, I read a, an advice. I saw an advice column on like slate where it was like, I saw my therapist grinder profile and he's into a lot of weird shit. And I don't know what, if I should say, anything yeah. <laughs> um, which is I great. would have to say <laughs> what, a, what, what a situation to find yourself in. I've yeah. never been attracted to my therapist. My first therapist was, it fell asleep in our first, very first session. Not oh, an wow. uncommon Not story. Great. I keep hearing this. Really? Yeah. Not a great way to begin. But no, you you went not, back. Did not continue. Oh, okay. She At the end of our session, she goes, do you think we could maybe meet at a later time? I, had, I like how I was an assistant, and that's why I had to meet at like 8 a.m., and it was a far, whatever. Um, Joel, you're such a dream. Oh, thank you. Uh, the podcast is called... Urgent care, and it's Ooh. me and Mitra Trahari dispensing advice. And you know, you heard you've heard roughly forty minutes of me now, and I think you can all agree I am eminently qualified to be dispensing advice about all sorts of subjects, which is, of course, untrue. But that is sort of why it's funny. Big so time. you take calls real time, take calls uh, and emails, not real time. No. Um, we have um, a phone number which. I'll ask them to insert, I guess. <laughs> they can call. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put it in the intro. Yeah. And um, yeah, and we call, we sometimes do call people back. 
In fact, in our first episode, we call back a pair of teens um, and we sort of expected to be just yelling at them the whole time. And then we fell in love um, wow. with them by the end because they left us a psychotic voicemail. And what about um, sort of about them enacting revenge on a boy that they had once at some point both liked. Um, and it's, it, was, it was a classic uh, gay mm-hmm. teen and his straight best girl gal pal. Um, and it was uh, almost incoherent what they left us. <laughs> and, and the problem that I'm mean, not the problem, but the, the challenge that we have had as a podcast early days is that we had to bank a lot of episodes, but we also, um, you know, we weren't, we aren't a podcast yet. So we sort of had to beg people on our social media channels to call in and, you know, we didn't have the widest array to pull from in our early days, but that's going to change. That's going to change after already. this homophilia. And has, um, has anybody that, you know, called in? Yes. And we have not answered those questions. Oh, so you prefer, so I can't call in or if I did, I have to pretend that I, well, it's no, you could, it depends on, it's all contextual. Like this was a, um, this was like a really intense question from someone that neither of that we both knew and recognized, but through their voice when we listened to it, but weren't close enough that we felt comfortable like answering it. And that's happened a couple of times. Um, but we have gotten like emails from people that we know and we just like, and, and they're like simple or funny questions and we'll answer them, but real, we don't like, uh, we, we, we have to, the other problem is I think because we're a comedy podcast, you know, people are like, Oh, let me run a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. let me, you know, troll this line with a funny fake question and i think we have a pretty good bullshit detector and it's frustrating because it's like no we actually really want to try to help people yeah you know um you've helped us today i immensely. hope so joel i hope so. kim booster thank you so much thank you we'll see you for episode number five hopefully very soon yeah can't wait thank you joel thank you